0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that He moves in your life. Today, I want to I continue to dive into um, this whole idea uh, around God is love. And really, where, where I'm going, and, hope, and I'm, I'm always thinking, well, am I going to end today? Am I going to go on to next week? I, I never know. What I... What my, my heart is, is, is to actually land the plane on the idea and the, the fact that the Word of God is actually the expression of the love of God. Uh, our Heavenly Father is not bigoted. Our Heavenly Father is not uh, controlling our Heavenly Father um, is not um, confining in any way, shape, or form, that the Word of God is actually written to provide us complete and total liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom. Now, if you're in the King James, it might say liberty. So liberty and freedom is God's idea. It's not something that um, particular governments run after. It actually originated in the heart of the Father. When God created you and God created me, Um, I always have this fun debate with people. I say, why are we created? Well, some people will say, well, we're created to serve God. Some people will say, uh, we're created to work for God. Some people will say, we are created for worship, to worship God. And that one there is very close to my heart, to worship God, but I think we're created not for God to extract something from us. We're actually created in his image and likeness so God can give, him, can give us something, and that something is himself. Because love always takes the first step. Even when we didn't love him, Scripture says he loved us. So God didn't create us to extract something from us. God doesn't need our worship. He's God. (laughs) People are going... "Mm -hmm." God doesn't necessarily need our worship to make him more God. God is the uncreated... And he is completely self-contained as the eternal father. He doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. He's not constrained by time. And that, if you spend maybe three or four minutes on that, that will just, you have to depart from that because what is eternal is mind-boggling. Because we live In time and space. So to think of to to think of eternity and what that is, if we were to if you know if we're talking math terms, if you went if you just did ten to the hundredth power, that's the very beginning of eternity. Eternity is forever, and God is eternal. So there's nothing that I can give him. The reason why he's created me is not to extract something from me that makes him more God. He's created me in his image and likeness so that he actually can give me something, and that is himself. When you accept Christ into your life, he actually comes into your heart and into your, your mind and your spirit, and your spirit and God's spirit come together, and that is the original design. But in addition to this, because he has created me in his image and likeness, and God is completely 100% free, then he has given me the ability, he's given me the option to actually choose him or not to choose him. This is kind of a little bit of review. Why is that? Because in order, because love operates in the realm of freedom. You can never make someone love you. Love operates in in the realm of freedom. I could make people do things, do things, but I can never make someone love me. Amen. Because love, I'll say it like this, requires choice. So, God steps back. He creates man in his image and likeness. He doesn't create us like birds and dinosaurs and all that, where things are actually locked into place. He actually creates us with the ability to actually choose him or not. Now, his love is constant, his love is not fickle, his love does not change. There's never a moment that God loves you less than he loves you right now. He will never love you less, regardless of what you might do, whether you cheat on your taxes or whether you actually murder people and you're in prison. He he will never love you less because his love keeps coming. When we get a revelation of the love of God, then really giving your life to Jesus is something that you not only want to do, you cannot wait to do. That's why it's the kindness of the Lord that draws people to repentance. So the word of God actually rests on the love of God. The love of God is the foundation to the word of God. The love of God does not rest on the foundation of the wrath of God. When people come into a revelation of the love of the Father, it will absolutely revolutionize and transform their life, and they'll actually step into the the original calling of their identity and purpose by stepping into the creator, Father God, who actually formed them, knit them together in the womb of their mother, and from that point knew them and has been watching over them from the time they were in the womb, in the womb, and outside of the womb all the way up to the time that they actually die And they leave this physical place, his love keeps coming. When we truly understand the love of God, God becomes irresistible. How do you know? Listen, everyone has a public and private life, everybody has a thought life, everybody has an imagination. Listen, regardless of what you've done, the things you have thought, the things you've done in secret, the things that you've imagined, God is omniscient. He knows all. Listen, He knows everything about your life, and He still 100% loves you. There is never a moment where he stops loving you unconditionally. Now, the world will love you if you're someone or you do something, or because you're someone or do something, God loves you, period. It's called agape love. What does that mean? It means it is, we don't even understand the revelation of this. I'll just say it this way because we all understand it. It's unconditional love. What does that mean? It's not based on condition. And all the while, he continues. God demonstrates his love by coming to the earth himself in the man Christ Jesus, and because of our sin, he still keeps coming, and the one who was sinless actually goes to the cross for you and me. There's nothing that the Lord has done nor will continue to do outside of the revelation of who Jesus was and him going to the cross and dying for your sins. That's not lightweight theology. That is significant. What I'm trying to say is that the uncreated who doesn't need our worship or our service. Empties himself, takes on humanity, walks on the earth for 33 years, showing us what the kingdom of God's all about, the place that if you receive Christ, you go to. And if you don't, then you won't. Don't, won't. I hope that'll never happen to anybody. But he empties himself. He takes on humanity. He walks among flesh as flesh. All the while revealing to us who the Father is so we can gain more revelation of who he is so that we could actually make a choice to receive him into our life or not. It's when we have tweaked and distorted, which is what the the devil will try and do, is distort the love of God. He will try and tell you something that's not true of his heart. So... Whether we're on mainstream media or whether we're on social media or whether whatever it is, there's a lie that people are believing about who God is, because if they truly had the revelation of who God is, his love would be so irresistible that they would come to know him as Lord and Savior. We have a broken culture. We have a broken culture because we have generations of brokenness. And so a child is raised in a home where mom and dad are not together. Or a child is raised in a home where mom and dad are too busy to give attention to their child. And all the while they're trying to pick up who God the Father is, and a woman and a man complete the image of God on earth no wonder why there's a attack on the nuclear family because people have a distorted view of who God is and if you see God as a god of wrath not a god of love then you begin to figure you try and figure out how to make life work outside of this am i talking to anybody That was introduction. (laughs) But hopefully that makes sense. It's only, this is why we need to pray. Number one priority, prayer. Number one priority. Let's all say it online and prayer. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that endeavors to draw men and women to repentance. What hasn't God done? What hasn't He done? Romans chapter 1, let's take a look at it so we can make it legal. Make the service legal because we open up the word. That's what I'm trying to say. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we or they are without excuse. I mean, right out of the gate, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he's just like, hmm, let's talk about this. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but become futile in their thoughts. That word futile means deceptive or corrupt in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened." That word means to be swept into moral darkness. The Passion Translation says this. I like, I just like the Passion Translation. It's good. I'm always checking it out. It's not my main translation, but he's pretty rock solid on stuff like this. Opposition same verse, opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible such as his his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes all easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Wow, that's kind of Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor or even be thankful for His kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God is like and has left them with nothing but misguided hearts, steeped in moral darkness. I don't know. I like the beach over the mountains. So, if I said beach or mountains, online, you can just put your hand up. If you're here, put your hand up. Beach or mountains? Beach. Mountains. Wow. I know. those middle ground people, too. They're like, oh, I like them both. Well, you had to make a decision. What's up with that? All right. Yeah, that's two hands up, two hands up, right? Beach and mountains, two hands up. I'm a beach person. I was raised here. I went to Santa Cruz a lot. And if you've been to the beach or you've been to the mountains, mountains is just, it's really quiet in the mountains. Unless you have a tiger, Chase. Anyway, that's not going to happen. But have you ever been caught away? Like I remember when I was a kid, you could actually see the stars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're in a mountain, you, you know, and you're just blown away by God's creation. I mean, he did it for you. That's another aspect of who the father is that he created. Creation for our enjoyment. Whether it's the, the sound of a river. Whether it's the beauty of the sky, whether it's the snow on a mountain, whether it's the forest that you can walk through, whether it's the sand you can lay on and the waters keep coming, they keep coming, they keep coming. He did it, he painted it, he painted it with us in mind. It says in Romans chapter 1, because God is love, God is also just, he will not do anything unloving because he can't, because he is God. And so when he creates creation, he does it out of love for his highest, I don't know, I, don't wanna, I wanna say form of creation, but for humanity, sons and daughters. He's created it, he's created it in such a way that he's actually exposed himself as God to even though, to, to the whole world, I'll just say that, from generations past to generations coming ahead of us, so much so that we are left without excuse that there is a maker. That's what Romans 1 is talking about. But because their minds have been darkened, moral, I'll just say moral corruption, they actually choose to step away from the very revelation of who he is that's actually being expressed through creation and through the preaching of the word of God, whether that's the pulpits or whether that's someone giving witness to who he is through a changed life, we actually step away from that and we step into moral darkness. And so we have the battle between good and evil. And we choose to step away from the the Lord, we actually begin, and we talked about this before, but I feel like I need to bring it in context. We step out of his covering, and now we're exposed without God's grace and covering over our life. The wrath of God... If I were to take this guitar, and that's not the wrath of God. It's our willingness. Sorry, Chris, I would never, I, I would never do that. Okay, <laughs> the wrath of God is actually us leaving him and stepping into life without the father. Well, how do you know that? It's the same picture of the prodigal son who leaves the father's house. And though the father's heart is yearning for his son, he lets him go. And the son steps into prodigal living outside of the covering of his father. Finally, he comes to his senses and he comes back to his father. But the father is not with his arms crossed and he's saying, you know, angry and vengeful. No, he comes running out to his son, which was actually illegal. For him to do, he comes out, and the scripture says, "Runs to his son and throws himself on his son. That's the love of the Father. That's his love for humanity. Does it matter whether you're a rapist? Doesn't matter whether you're a murderer? his grace is sufficient, and he'll always receive a true repentant heart because he has the power to transform that heart. So we need to pray and not condemn. Sinful people do sinful things because they're sinful. (laughs) In a lot of ways, evil is just the absence of good. Just like darkness is the absence of light. Broken people reproduce in many ways broken people. That's why we're the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. We are a light in the hill. This is why the gospel is good news. The gospel is not bad news. That's That's why, for some reason, we're very cautious about sharing our faith because maybe we think they're going to reject it But friends, it's not bad news. It's good news. It's bringing people into alignment with how they're created. Are you guys all right? So this is what we're seeing in our culture. We have broken people leading broken people. We have orphans leading orphan movements. Lawlessness is our disconnection from the heart of our Heavenly Father. We're seeking value and identity, purpose away from who God is. How do you find your identity, your value, and your purpose away from the very source who actually created you, and now you've kind of uprooted yourself, you've moved yourself away from the source of who you are and supposed to be, And you're now trying to find purpose and meaning and value outside of the connection. Can't do it. Always be an empty spot, no matter how much you've achieved. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many diplomas you have. I don't care about your achievements. In the perspective of those will never satisfy the human heart to be brought back to the creator, to your creator. We didn't evolve from a bunch of apes. We didn't, you know, we would still be evolving, right? So, so that's, that's man's way of trying to explain purpose and meaning away from God the Father. It's called humanism. It's actually at one point or another, it's trying to set humanity in the place of where God stands. It'll never happen because that's just not going to happen. That's not true. But we try. And when we set ourselves in the place of who God is, you might position yourself there, but you're still empty. Until you come back to your original design. We try and find it in money. We try and find it in success. We have believers who are like this. They know they—they they know just as so much about who God is, but their focus isn't there. Their focus is on this, thinking this is what's going to actually bring them true happiness. My friend, this will never bring you true happiness. Just ask Hollywood. Every single day, there's another divorce. Every single day, there's another moral failure. Every single day. And we want to try and act like and be like? It's because the word has been distorted and our heavenly father has been distorted. And the enemy is the father of lies. Laws. Wow, I'm going to have to finish this next week. (laughs) Laws are put in place to actually restrain lawlessness. Laws are put in place, pure law is put in place, the principles of God's Word are put in place out of love and for love. So, if I'm by myself in the city of Fremont, I can go 120 miles an hour down a road and who cares? Straight road, no turns. Straight, right? But as soon as another person comes into the city, love says put up stop signs. Because he might be coming this way, and I might be coming this way, and there might be a collision. And if there's a collision, that's actually destructive. So let's put up stop signs out of love. The laws of God are put in place for two reasons, just much much like how parents will raise their children. The laws of God come to us to protect and provide, period. Period. So the stop signs are there to protect you from getting hit and then to provide for you a long life. But the enemy comes in and says, the, love of the, "The principles of God's word or the laws of God are there they're confining, they're bigoted, they're hateful. That is so not true. If I start looking at the word of God as the rules of God, then I've actually stepped a little bit more in this direction in my thinking. Listen, I might not even understand everything that's actually written in the Word. Believe me, I don't. But I know the scripture that says his ways are higher, his thoughts are greater. If I get a revelation of who the Father is, and that everything that he is predestined for me are positive thoughts, thoughts of a hope and thoughts of a future, then I'm not going to have a problem reading the word of God and even though this this word pops out and I might not understand it, I say, I trust you. I don't get the revelation, but I trust you. Easy, so to speak. When we have the revelation of who he is, A father that keeps coming with unconditional love will, though we might have questions, obedience is easy. I wish it was that true, huh? Just that easy. But we struggle. So laws are put into place to restrain lawlessness and those laws are to be enforced. So the the Lord has laid out f- four things, and I was thinking, do I go there right now? I'm just going to touch on it. That, that cool? Online, that cool? Okay. Just say yes wherever you're at. There's the res- there's personal restraint, and the word says that the Lord has lit- has put His laws in our heart, in our mind. Because he loves us, he wants to protect us, and he's always thinking out, going after our highest good, 100%. The second is the family. Mom and dad have rules because they love godly parents, loving parents, Lay down rules out of love for their children to protect them and provide for them. Could we say, "Amen? amen. There are societal, societal laws. Law and order. Don't defund the police. That is so crazy. But you see the deterioration of the restraints. The onslaught toward the nuclear family to to destroy what the nuclear family, the biblical family is. It's a man and it's a woman. Why? Because God loves us. And a man and a woman functioning in a home gives us the revelation who the father is. And it's there to actually protect and provide for us. But when we don't know the Lord and we think God is a God of wrath, we're gonna think anything goes. Then there's the church and the word of God. But if if and when a local government and a federal government become corrupt, the pulpits must stand. When the state government and the federal government that has been delegated by the Lord to actually function, according to Romans 13, for our good when they cease to function for our good, it's our responsibility to make sure that they are functioning in righteousness. That's why it's important to vote. Why is that? Because they are functioning as delegated authority connected to a heavenly father. They are to function as the Father does, not contrary to the Father. But if you have godless people in those places, and you have godless people in those places for decades or even centuries, what happens is the word of God that might have been an anchor has now been diluted, and now we function from a place where this is not the authority any longer, so we create our own authority, and we begin to function from that place. Sometimes the pulpit's the last thing that is creating the restraint in a culture. It's important for us to hold, I think I, I, think I actually, uh, I actually got this from <clears throat> Tony Evans. I don't know if you know who he is. <clears throat> I don't even know where he pastors. But we have to hold our civil leaders to a righteous standard. That's why the church needs to be a voice and that is the reason why there's a movement to try and shut down or quiet the pulpit. It's the last restraint. The truth is that the Word of God has endured and will continue to endure. Russia, years ago, had book burnings because if you remove the word from a form of power and authority, then you create your own, but it's empty, it's void, it doesn't last, it creates upheaval. And evil begins to rule outside of the word. So churches need to hold the line. I love what Sean Foyt's doing. I fully support what Sean's doing. I don't know how he keeps up his schedule, but I love what he's doing. Why? He's holding the line. It's the church stepping outside the walls, declaring the greatness of God in our nation that actually supports a father's heart. Yeah. Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good the goodness of God is produced by the spirit of God living inside of us the desire to do good is a gift from our father and it's in part what God produces within you and me how do I finish this Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Oh, I got so much to say, I'm going to wait. That was my brief moment of asking the Lord right there, like, what do I do with this? Because I want to get extremely practical starting next week. I mean, I want to I hit it next week. But if we don't have the foundation, if we don't have the foundation of the love of God, then we're going to see the Word of God as the rules of God and not an expression of a loving heart. Whether it's toward individuals or a nation, And I want to encourage you to just to consider the power of God's love that's actually inside of you who claim to be a follower of Jesus, because right now there's, that is even diluted. Everyone's a Christian until it becomes biblical. Think about that for a moment. Everyone's a Christian until it gets biblical. So I'm talking about straight-up followers of Jesus who actually are moved by the heart of a father to reach orphaned sons and daughters. And no, I don't like what's going on in a lot of part of our country right now, but they're, do they really know any better? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but we need to pray. We need to truly be salt. We need to reach out. We need to demonstrate the love of a father and come against the lie they're believing. The ideology they're embracing. So do we pray for our governor more than we condemn our governor? Honestly, answer that question. I was reading in Acts 13 today. Can I give you a little sidebar of what I'm doing? Every single day, one psalm, one proverb, one chapter in, a- in Acts. So it's really easy. Today's the 13th. I'm in Psalms one, uh, 13, Proverbs 13, and Acts 13. Tomorrow, 14. So I'm going through the book of Acts, right? Oh, I can't. Oh, that's a fun. though. I get excited. This is how I'm going to conclude today. Keep playing on the keyboard. You're doing good, Kenny. i got to find it. Hang on. I just read it. Say the 13th or the 14th. Thank you. Come on. Hang on. Now I'm stubborn. Now I'm stubborn. Wow, where is it? Oh, it's here. Okay. All right. So Paul, I promise I'm concluding. So Paul travels to Cyprus, and he and Barnabas go and preach in Cyprus. And so when they arrived, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, verse 6, and when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, his name is Bar-Jesus, here it is. Who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus? The proconsul is basically a governor. So he goes to Cyprus, and this false prophet, Bar Jesus, is connected to this governor, Sergius. And the scripture says he was an intelligent man, and this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. An ungodly, governor. And Paul goes ahead and he presents the gospel to this governor in verse 12, then the proconsul believed. That gives me hope. You know what else gives me hope? Saul's on his way to destroy Christians and he's going to Damascus and he has a God encounter. Why did he have a guard? a God encounter because the ecclesia was actually praying. Oh, just begin reading the book of Acts. I'm telling you, these guys were straight up, but people were being saved from the ones that are actually in homes to governors. Let's pray. I want to wrap it up next week and I want to get a little bit more practical around what's actually happening today. But I felt like it was super important to lay the foundation. Let's let's stand. I'm 21 minutes late. But we had a presentation, so that cut into my time. We had extended worship. Okay, so... Thank you for your patience for all you online too. So, Father, I pray. I I just want you, whether you're at home, you're here, just put your hand in your heart and just ask the Father to give you his heart. Give you his heart. Give you his heart for our, our nation. Give you his heart for those in leadership. Give you his heart for those in leadership. Let's just take a moment, let's ask for revelation for how some of these founders were raised and the lie they're believing. God, we want to take a moment. We want to pray from heaven to earth. We want to pray for those in authority. And right now, there's mixture. There's a lot of political mixture in what's going on but we pray. And we ask, Lord, that you would break down the lies of what people are thinking about who you are. And I pray that they would, their hearts and minds would be opened up to the revelation, just like Saul, who became Paul, the encounter changed him forever. And he wrote 21 New Testament epistles, books and epistles. So, Lord, Lord, You set in Scripture a man named Saul who is terrorizing the church, who is going into homes and arresting and putting in prison believers, and in a moment, it all changed because you're the God of the impossible. You're the God who can change it in a moment. So I pray, Lord, that you give us faith to believe. Our anchor is not in the political process. It's in the kingdom of God. And so we choose to stay anchored. And we trust you. We make a decision, Lord, that we're going to pray more than we complain. We're going to pray more than we view this video and that video and that segment and this segment and that segment. And, and that. I think those are important, but it doesn't replace the time we spend with you petitioning and legislating from heaven to earth. May it be way more than just a slogan that we say, but we actually do it. And Lord, we know that you are in total control, perfect control, everything, it's not not rocking your world, but you have called us to love and pray. You have called us to do that. So we do it. We do it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.